Amen. So this casting down imaginations has been one powerful trip, one powerful journey for us all. And especially for me. And um, it's funny because Nellie talked about a correction week. Lindsay talked about a correction week. Um, people that can't be corrected don't grow. People that can't be corrected don't prosper. There's just no way around it. And I don't mean, nah, I hear what everybody got to say. No, no, I'm open-minded. The fact you got to say that to most of the time is because you're not, right? You don't have to say you are. If you are, you just are. But you know, it's as certain people that I just don't even try to minister to because I already didn't know they're going to say, oh, I know. And I know that. Oh, no, I read that last time. Oh, no, the Lord told me that yesterday. Oh, no. Oh, no, I know. I know. And, 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 and the arrogance of that, the foolishness of that is this. Even if you know, you can still humble yourself in here because the direction and the anointing and the spirit is being sent to you at this time may be speaking to a whole different direction. But because you've already put yourself in an I know place, you're not going to hear what the revelation is. God's not going to reveal it to you. And so I find myself with a lot of believers. I just don't share with them. It's just like, you know, I, I can see you and love you and, and, you know, hug you. But when it comes to a correction, I don't even waste my time. And because even if you feel the need to say, I know, just to prove that you know something or that you're equal, it's pride. I have people talk to me all the time in business and they share me business tips and they share stuff with me that, come on, I've been practicing for, for 30 years. But I go, oh yeah, I'm, I know that. Oh no, yeah, I know that. I go, I go oh, wow, well, what does that mean to you? Explain that to me. Help me understand how you how that works for you. Or I'll say to them, so it's like, if I'm doing such, 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 is, is that the same as what you're explaining? Because there's nuances to education. You understand what I'm saying? There are nuances to, to le- learning. There are nuances to, to, to insight, to see things that you didn't see it in a way that you never saw it before. It may be, sound like the same words to me, but it's a different revelation. So when we talk about casting down imaginations, I want us to understand that Nellie and I were talking about judgment because she was dealing with what God was showing her and she was sharing that she felt it was judgment. And I had to say to her, judgment has two angles. It's not just one. You listen close to what I'm saying here. We tend to say if we're in judgment that it's a bad thing, that God is about to come down on us with a heavy hammer. Do you know that there's good judgment? You know, the Bible says God judges you and finds you worthy of something. It's still judgment, but it's to a reward, not a punishment. So the fact that God says to you, I'm judging you in this area, doesn't mean that he's about to pull out the strap. It means he's saying, I'm going to judge you here. And if I find you worthy, I will promote you. And I find you not, I will correct you so I can promote you. See, God looks forward. He says he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. He, there's no scripture that he takes pleasure in the punishment of his children. I've never seen that scripture and I don't think it exists. He takes pleasure in your prosperity. So sometimes there's going to be a judgment, but that judgment is to your correction so he can take you to your perfection. Ooh, I did a Jesse Jackson. 
<laughs> so God will judge you in correction to take you to your perfection. And, and the idea is I'm making a correction. I'm tweaking you into greatness. Somebody say he's tweaking me into greatness. He's tweaking me into greatness. He's correcting me and he's judging me so that I will not be judged, right? He said, if you judge yourself, you will not be judged. So that's saying you don't have to come into negative judgment, but I need you babies to understand that there's also a positive judgment. And that judgment is unto deliverance, is unto reward, is unto greatness, is unto insight and and, 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 and strong godly education and I just want to say in this casting down imaginations series season, we need to cast down the imagination or the evil foreboding that God is constantly looking for the opportunity to wail on us. That's not biblical. It's not true. He's looking for the opportunity to bless you. He said to you that you should forgive those who sin against you. Well, God's word is just a definition of who he is. So he's telling you that. You think he doesn't keep that word? Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sinned? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. You think that he doesn't follow the same thing that he's asking of you? You think he's asking you to do something that he would not do himself? God is forgiving. He is loving. He is patient. He is kind. Judgment goes to a hardened heart. Judgment goes to the person who, after being corrected and being corrected and being corrected, they still fold their arms, shrug their shoulders, and say no to God. That's where that judgment comes from. It is not God's pleasure ever to bring negative judgment on you. Last thing I'll say on judgment. When you stand before a judge, even if you're in trial, which we may consider that a, a negative thing, correct? Right? You in, you're in court, you stand before the judge, and that judge judges you. That's a bad thing, right? What if he says not guilty? Oops. Well, it's not a bad thing anymore, is it? So I, I want us to get the understanding that I'm like, God, judge me, please. Find me righteous or find me in need of correction. Either way, hands down, I'll take that judgment because it'll perfect me into my greatness. Did that bless somebody? There's nothing wrong with being judged by God. And I want to take the sting out of that lie right now once and for all. Evil imaginations, negative imaginations. I don't want to believe on any level that my God is vindictive, mean, bitter, spiteful, or vengeful against those who have a heart toward him. King David is proof of that. He made some horrible decisions, but God still called him a man after his own heart. Why? Because when God would check him, and God would judge him. He would fall on his face in sackcloth and ashes, and he would repent. And the Bible says, and God will restore him. How many times did Israel go against God? 
against him, worshiped idols and everything, and judgment would come, and there would be those who would repent and be restored, and those who would harden their hearts and will be destroyed. So the whole um, golden calf, who's on the Lord's side? And those who said us were delivered, and those who said no were destroyed. So judgment is always our opportunity to correct our past. I didn't plan to stay on this this long, but that's where God wants me. So that's where I am. You all right with that? I didn't want to accept that people still saw God like that because I don't. As a matter of fact, I can't even imagine God that way as a punisher or looking to punish me. I, I can't, you know, even though people try to put the guilt and shame on you and make you feel that way, I can't see my daddy that way. Um, I'm not, I never would try to watch my kids fall so I can wail on them. So I couldn't see. I had a conversation about, which I won't go all into now, about me being abused as a child and um, physically abused by my stepdad. And he would beat me, you know, and I was explaining literally like he would handcuff me to our radiator and naked and whip me until he was tired. Go take a break and come back. And I never told that story to people, but I was sharing this morning with somebody, you know, how I went to school one day as a kid and my lip was busted. My eye was closed and black and I had all these whelps on me like I was a runaway slave. And the teachers like lost it. Now to your new generation, you don't relate to this. Well, did they call the cops for what? Cops ain't going to do nothing for my, when my time, there was no such thing, child welfare services. You send you home and you got beat again for calling the cops. I mean, it, 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 it didn't make a difference back then. And it was funny because as I told the story and these tears were running down my face, I wasn't crying. It's just tears were running down my face. Um, that man who beat me like that on his deathbed when I was an adult, I led him to Christ. He got saved. Before he died, me and him became very, very close in contact and phone calls and conversations. And he was one of the first people that God used to say to me, you need to be in ministry. And I'm like, what do you know about ministry? You just got saved. I watch, I watch such and such every Sunday on TV. I forgot who, Billy Graham, whoever. And you need to be doing that. And he started really like drilling into me, even that. This is the man who abused me and beat me. So the reason why it was hard for me to remember that and even go over that again was because God had removed the pain and the sting of that so far from me that it wasn't even in my memory. And there's a lot of you on this thing that know me say, like, I never knew that. I never knew that story. No, because I don't talk about it, not because I'm hiding from it, but because I'm free from it. Human the son makes free is free indeed. So I don't carry the scars of that. And it was horrific for me as a child with this abuse. And it went on for years and years and years until I ran away from home and never went back at the age of 13. A lot of people don't understand what my life was, but my life was, it was pretty rough. It was bad as a kid. And I'll tell you this. When the Lord moves, he heals totally. He doesn't just set you free. He makes you whole. 
He makes you whole. He takes away the sting of yesterday. And if you're still walking around with it and you in Christ, then there's something wrong. Then there's an imagination. I, I may go to these verses today. I may not. Maybe I may just have this talk with you. We'll just see how the Lord leads. When you redeemed from your yesterday, you are not only redeemed from or removed from the pain, but the scars also are removed from your spirit, to your soul, to your body. Some of you have been rejected, abused, neglected, emotionally abused by parents, all this kind of stuff, physically. You're not supposed to carry that as a badge of honor for the rest of your life. And I know as I'm telling you all these stories about my childhood, how many of you would say right now, I was shocked. I didn't even know that that happened to you. Let me see your hand. See, you didn't know because I didn't talk about it because it doesn't have a hold of me. And I'll talk about it and start crying. And even when I was talking about it and the tears were running down my face, it was like I said, I'm not crying. But it, I guess I was feeling like, wow, that's a real thing. I never even visited that in my mind. But I was more excited about, I was free from that. It didn't define me anymore. And I can, my memory was, I led this man to Christ when I was 21 years old. I led him to Christ. I tried to kill him when I was 13. And I got saved and I led him to Christ when I was like 20, 21. So I'm telling you, your yesterday don't define who you are today. And if you still carry around the imaginations of past hurts or past neglects or past wounds, then you need to be delivered. And I want to pray for you because you are not a slave to what you were. You are free to who you are. God's called you to be free. He's called you to live this life whole. He's called you to live this life complete. He's called you to live this life justified he's called you to live this life untethered from the yesterday old things have passed away behold all things that come become new to who to them that are in christ you don't owe your yesterday anything you don't owe your yesterday anything i don't care if your yesterday was literally yesterday you don't owe yesterday you forget those things which are behind you and you press forward to the mark of the high calling. Say, I don't owe my yesterday. This is a powerful reality. So what I want to do is I want to read our prayer and then I'm going to wrap up. I'm not going to go all over this. This was a very powerful and pivotal point. Your sins are behind you once you repent with a real godly heart. Now, repent doesn't mean say, I'm sorry. Repent means turn the other way and head the other direction. But sometimes, you know, your flesh wants to pull back that direction. Um, Nelly was saying, she, you know, God told her to stop working like that. And she stopped. And it was funny because I remember she began to prosper. And then she saw a little bit of lack or something looked like it wasn't going right. And she went right back to slaving. And as a result, lack, lack. God provided, bills are paid but lack, struggle. Um, Lindsay could tell you some stories. She she shares them all the time, you know, and, and I can tell you some stories. I'm sure everybody on here can share some stories about, you know, when I did what he said, it worked. But then when I slipped back, you know, to what looked like I should do, it all went down again. These are, these are evil imaginations. God does not look for the opportunity to spank you. 
He's not looking for the opportunity to beat you. He's not looking for the opportunity to punish you. He looks forward to, and he's looking for the opportunity to bless you. He takes pleasure in your prosperity. That's a heavy revelation to hold on to, that God literally finds joy in in your prosperity. And I'll wrap this up before the prayer by saying this. I remember when I read that, I know, you know, sometimes we read things in the Bible and we believe them because they're there, but we don't take them into our hearts and really believe them. We believe that God's not a liar, but our heart doesn't really be a witness for us. You know, so I remember when I read that he takes pleasure in his prosperity. And I remember saying out loud, well, God, I want you to be very pleased. Prosper me. Prosper me. Prosper the crap out of me. I want you to be so pleased in my prosperity. And I said it, but I didn't really believe it. It took years before I really took it to heart and believed. You really do. And I can tell you that, you know, those who know know me, you know, um, Ruth said um, something that I know you didn't think it was a big deal, Ruth, but you spoke so to my life. She, she said when she was having her wedding, her father came and he saw the building. He saw, you know, that I own this building. And he said, how with such a small church can you own this three-story building? Like, how how do you do that? And um, correct me if I say it wrong, um, Ruth, I think she said, she said to her dad, he just has a way or a gift with money, something like that. Was it a gift? Right? He just has a gift with when finance. He just, he's gift. He just has a, he just has a gift with that. And she told me that, and you would think, oh yeah, I know that. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. That's a blessing that God has given me. And and yeah, I do. But then I said, but you do too. We all do. God's no respecter of persons. I just believed it when I heard he takes pleasure in my prosperity. I believed it. I believed it. But to walk into that baby's you're going to have to be corrected. And correction isn't also chastisement. Sometimes it's like, no. Well, if I just be, I know my heart means, well, God's like, I don't care what your heart means. I need you to change directions. There's a blessing for you. You need to be teachable. You need to be correctable. You need to have the kind of spirit that takes truth and runs with it. And even when it looks like you're running with it and it's still not working, Keep running in that direction anyway. Don't turn back. How many of us have literally jumped off the boat just before it docked? Just hold your ground. Stand strong. God will answer. Amen. Let's get our prayer up for the day and let's bring it home. She put it in the link. So you can click on the link if you want to follow along. Casting down imaginations. And we're going to, I'm going to read it. You're going to read it out loud too. Um, I'll do some pausing, but I'm going to go straight through. Still, just follow with me. Father, though I live in this world, I do not wage war as the world does. The weapons I fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I demolish Arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of you. 
I take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, Father, to bless those who despitefully use me. Whenever I feel afraid, I will trust in you. When I feel miserable, I will express thanksgiving. Powerful, no matter what it looks like, keep saying what his word says. And when I feel life is unfair, I will remember that you are more than enough. When I feel ashamed, help me to remember that I no longer have to be or live in fear. I changed the words, yes, but that's what I felt spoke. I will not suffer shame. I am delivered from the fear of disgrace. I will not be humiliated. I relinquish the shame of my youth. It is well with my soul. For you have redeemed me. You have called me by your name. I am in your will for my life at this time. I am being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I am able to test and approve for myself what your will is, your good and acceptable will and perfect will for my life. You have good things reserved for my future. All my needs are met according to your riches in glory. I will replace worry for my family with asking you to protect and care for them. You are love and your perfect love cast out all fear. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.